Welcome to the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast, where excuses aren't tolerated and results are earned through authenticity, vulnerability, and a commitment to excellence. My name is Amber Furman, success architect, attorney, and NLP trainer. If you're ready to bitch slap the bully in your brain, overcome the bullshit that holds you back, and design the life and success you've always wanted, then it's time for you to break your bullshit box and step into designing life and success on your terms. Welcome back to another episode of the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast. Today, I had a fantastic conversation with George Sedarius. He's the owner and founder of F3 Coaching. George is a lifelong resident of Bergen County in New Jersey, and he's proud to bring together three of his passions to help people build a better life. He's a financial professional of more than 10 years, and he has the knowledge and experience to help people provide for their family with the goal of being present for the most important events. At the age of 24, George was diagnosed with stage three non-Hodgkin lymphoma and went through six months of chemotherapy. The greatest lesson that that taught him was to be truly grateful and passionate for every second of his life. Now he has three beautiful children and he's more motivated than ever to live his life with them and spend as much time as possible being truly present with the family. By focusing on the three life pillars of family, fitness, and finance, George believes that you will be financially and physically strong so that you and your family can thrive together. With a powerful mind and a powerful body, you will accomplish your goals and live your dream life. You guys know how much I love this message. George and I had a fantastic conversation about all things growing up in an entrepreneurial family. The reality of when the thing that you focused on is no longer the thing that you see your future in. You may love it and you don't see how it fits the life that you want to build for yourself. We talked about what he learned from his scare with cancer at the age of 24 and how that changes the way that he approaches conversations with people in the financial industry. We talked about how to overcome your excuses and some really practical and tactical ideas for getting out of your own way. I loved this show, and I know that you're going to as well. Before we jump into it, I want to remind you that your Break Your Bullshit Box Academy is open for registration. This is the place that you are going to learn what it is that you didn't know that you didn't know about how your brain works, how you've created the reality that you have now, and how you can create a different reality for tomorrow. It's going to be an opportunity for you to learn tactical things like goal setting and calendaring and how to get out of your own way and your excuses, as well as mindset things and how to set your day up for the way that you want it to be. We're going to dig into those mental blocks that stop us from accomplishing what it is we want to accomplish and how to be able to create success over and over again. If this is something that interests you, head over to academy.successdevelopmentsolutions.com and check out all the information about the course there. As always, if you have any questions, you can jump on my calendar and we can have a conversation about whether it's a good fit. And without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with George Sedarius. George, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I appreciate the opportunity. 
Of course. I'm looking forward to digging into your story and how you got where you're at now. One of the things that always fascinates me, though, is that period of time where we always thought that we knew everything, also known as our teenage years, mm -hmm. and how different our life sometimes turns out from where we thought it was going to be. So yeah. if we go back to 16, 17, 18, 19-ish, um, young George, yeah. what did you think your life was going to be like? Uh, the one thing I did know at that time is that I didn't want to work for anyone. So it's interesting because I, so I grew up, my, my parents have been in the restaurant industry for my entire life. And I knew at that time that I didn't want to work for someone. So I was in school, like I finished high school, went to college. And then I was like, this is just not, this is just not for me. Like I played football in high school and that's kind of what got me through. And then when that stopped in college, I was like, yeah, no, like I, I don't want to be a teacher. Like I, I, again, like there's nothing wrong with it. I just knew that that's not what I was being called to do. And it's interesting because I've never worked for anyone at that's all. That's so I've crazy. Never had a job besides for my dad. <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah. So um, I've never worked for anyone. I've always worked for myself, but I don't think I knew that that was going to be the case. Like back then that that was going to continue. I just knew there was something calling me that just wanted me to get into being a business owner. And that's ultimately what, what happened. The service industry and the food industry is a rough industry to be in. Was it's in it. so bad, um, and and I've spent so many years in it, and I there's so much that I love about it, and there's so much that drives me nuts too. So every time I think, man, I miss that interaction. I'd like to go back. I remember the late nights and the no holidays and the constant like beck and call. It, it's rough. Did your parents own or did they work for somebody else? They own, they own, they own three at the time. There are two now and my dad's still there. I mean, it snowed, you know, we're in New Jersey. It snowed the other day. He was up at 3 AM going to plow the parking lot. I oh. mean, it's just, it's, it's what's interesting. I think that that entire dynamic of that world has changed, like specifically in the diner world, the younger generation, like my cousins, like we're not in that business. I think there is a love for it though. Like my dad loves it. Like there is a- You have to. You have to. And he and he does. And that's why he's there, you know, five, still five to six days a week, but it is not easy. And that's why I am not in it. Um, and happy to say that because I want nothing <laughs> to do with it. Yeah, it's so interesting because like there's been, I have such nostalgic memories and I think that that's one of the things that hangs people up the most is their nostalgia that they feel from their first one or two jobs, right? Yep. So, you know, I grew up in a restaurant. My grandma owned a restaurant. Right. I worked my way through law school in a restaurant and I have these nostalgic memories of what it was like. And so every single time I start to feel uber stressed, I'm like I just, I could just go back to serving and bartending because the, the thing I loved about it the most was that your work ended when your shift ended. As long as you didn't own, you got to go home. Everybody else, it was work and didn't pile up, right? It's a very different dynamic. It's a very it really, different dynamic. And I then was, I asked yeah. myself, and I think this is probably one of the most important questions people can ask themselves, is I'll, I'll be there going, okay, I could just go back to serving. 
And then I'm like, yeah, but on a Saturday night when you want to go hang out with your friends and somebody needs you to be at work because that's when you're going to make your money, are you still going to want to do it then? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I would probably tell somebody to fuck off if they yes. try to work Saturday yeah. night. So, yeah, um, it's a very different dynamic. Speak. Yeah, it's it's a very different dynamic. It's not easy running any business, I would say. Um, yeah, that one is a totally different animal. Totally different. It animal. is for sure. But I learned a lot in what it takes to run a business, successful business, have in multiple employees over the years, and continue to thrive later on. So it just gets me excited for what the future is going to be. Again, I'm still young. My dad's 68 and still going strong. So it's like, okay, I that's 25 years from now. He's still going strong. So I feel like I'm just getting started with my business and my career. And he's kind of led the way there. So yeah, pretty, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So you had this entrepreneurial background growing up where yes. you knew that it was possible to not have to work for anybody else. And you ran with that and you said, I'm not going to be anybody's employee ever. Yeah. Um, you're in the financial industry now. You've been there for about 10 years. What moment was it that you found this industry and realized it was where you wanted to stay? So it actually started, it's funny, because I was sitting in the booth at the diner and my dad said, we're going on a cruise, right? Mom and dad are going on a cruise. This is the first time we're leaving you guys. If something happens, here's what we have. And I was 12. Mm. It was, here's what we have. Here's what the diners are worth. And if you need something, call this guy, Tom. And I'm like, who's Tom? So fast forward to when I was 18 years old, I'm sitting down, Tom's interviewing me in the diner saying, hey, you've had this experience. Here's what I've done for your mom and your dad. You've been talking to people since you were 10. Come into this business. And I was like, nah, I don't really know what I want to do. So I went to school for a little bit because I really wasn't sure. And it was at about 21, 22. I had left school. I was still working in the diner. And I said, all right. I need to do something. I'm going to call Tom again. So I went, I spoke to Tom and he goes, let's do this. And I started on that Monday and this is where my story kind of gets interesting. So I'm starting off in the, in the, in the financial services world. I'm there for about a year and a half. And at 24, I'm diagnosed with stage three, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh man. So I'm the first one in my family with cancer. I'm 24. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I start chemo treatment that takes six months and I'm still sort of working. Again, I was living at home. So like, I didn't really have expenses. We're kind of just trying to figure things out. I would meet with some clients. I beat cancer. And then I was trying to find my footing in life. I was like, I almost died. Like, what do I want to do? Do I want to talk about investments and insurance? Like, what am I doing here? And I said to my mom, my dad, like, no, I, I can't, this is not where I want to go. And I started getting back into a passion that I had when I was young into teenage years. And that was the martial arts. So I started training the martial arts. I had the opportunity to buy a franchise, one of the biggest in the Northeast. So I left from running my financial practice to owning a martial arts school. Okay. So I did it. I had three fights in the cage. I had one of the top schools 
in the entire franchise. There's 50 schools. I was probably number four or five out of all of them. But then I started getting older. We got to like 2008, 2009. I started to see some of that writing on the wall. But it's interesting because my hours, like the restaurant world, our school opens at two o'clock and we talk classes until 10. Mm -hmm. So I started to really look at my life and go, wow, like if I want to have a family, I can't continue to do this. This time is just not going to work. I'm not going to be able to be home. So the market changed. I wound up selling the school. And then ultimately I went back to Tom and said, okay, now I'm ready. I'm ready mm -hmm. to really do this. I'm older. I'm wiser. I ran another business. I had employees and that's really been my stint. So I do have a little bit over you know, a decade, but I've really been at this for the last 10 years, really building my team and my business. So that's kind of like the story. It's been a, it's been a crazy kind of whirlwind, the back and forth of it. But I've learned a lot in being in the business, leaving at a young age, because now I just brought a new person onto my team who's 24. I can speak to him about all the things that I did wrong at 24 in the mm -hmm. business, but I didn't have a market. And then when a career changer comes in at 30, 35, I can speak to them too. So I gained a lot from, I'm going to call it failing, which I'm okay with. I've learned so much from that. And I've been able to give that knowledge to my team now as they come into the business with me. Yeah, absolutely. I want to highlight a couple of things that you said. And, and maybe one of the most important things that you said is that if I want to have a family, the schedule isn't going to work. This is something that I think is so important for people. We live in a society where from the time we're in, God, kindergarten, we're five, six years old. People are asking us like, what do you think you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, Karen, that's like 14 years from now. Like, <laughs> calm down. Just let me be five. Right. Yes. But we're constantly like, do you want to be, you know, this or this or this? And we're asking people to select what they want to be for 60 years of their life. And those dreams are supposed to be embedded in us by the time we start first grade. Um, when I made the decision to start to shift from the legal industry, I struggled with feeling like I had to hate the industry to make a change. Mm -hmm. And I had to step back and say, like, I love being an attorney and I love that industry, but I don't love the lifestyle mm -hmm. and I don't love the grind. I don't love being in court every single day. And if I want to have this life of independence and traveling and location independence, mm -hmm. this brick and mortar shit isn't going to work. Absolutely. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that conversation. In fact, it should be had earlier rather than later. Mm -hmm. So I love that you brought that up. I love the martial arts. I loved what I was doing. And I saw this future for myself and those two things didn't mesh and I had to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. And it's okay. I mean, 100%. I mean, we have to give, yeah. We have to give ourselves a little grace there and just, and I started to do this a lot more and just be okay with if our conscience is calling us, right? If you're, if, if you're being called to be an attorney and you did that and gave everything you had, it's okay for you to have a calling to something else. Mm -hmm. If that's what's calling you, it's not what anyone else thinks, right? If mom or dad go, Oh my God, you were an attorney. Now you're going to do this. Who cares? 
Yeah. It literally doesn't, it doesn't matter if that's what you're truly being called to do. And I don't, yeah. I don't think I knew that at the time. And I think it's interesting because I think, you know, my mom and dad would look at me and go, you know, but you changed, you had, you were here, like you gave up. I go, I didn't give up. I, I ran a successful business and it's okay to make a change. So I think giving ourselves some grace and understanding that if we're being called to something, it's okay to go down that path if we're truly feeling it in our heart and that's where we need to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I also love what you said about being able to talk to different groups of people because one of the biggest things I got when I started to make the career change, excuse me, one of the biggest things that I got when I started to make the career change was um, you put so much time and effort into getting to where you are now and now you're just going to walk away. And I remember looking at somebody going, they don't like open up my brain and take away all the knowledge and the experience that I learned being an attorney and be like, okay, you decided to do something else. So we're going to take this all back now. Like you start from experience and, and you learn so much to where you can talk to those different groups of people, which I think is really important as a leader. And, and those people that are making that a, saying those things, they have no idea what you went through, right? Those 80, 90 hour weeks, <laughs> right? Like you have $300,000 of student loans and you're making 90 grand, right? Yeah. Like I have clients that are in that position, right? And and I'm like, oh, that's hard. Like that's- It is we gotta rough. Do it, right? So like the outside world doesn't, and that's all the, oh, you're so, like I hear it from even the new people. Oh, you're so lucky you- only have one night a week where you meet with clients. I'm like, I've been doing this for over a decade. When I started, it was every night, Saturdays, Sundays. Yep. I've earned the right to do that. So yeah, I, I don't. nobody really understands the work that it takes to do what you do. And they don't have to. They don't have to understand. Well, yeah. it. They don't have to get it. It is what it is. Yeah. And it's not just like this industry either. Like I can't understand what you go through as a financial planner. Um, I don't have kids. I'll never be able to understand what a parent goes through, especially when their kids leave the house. And, and I got, three Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, the, I want to talk about, um, your experiences when you were 24 and you got diagnosed with cancer a little bit because, um, well, let me rephrase that statement. I want to talk about it a little bit. You didn't get diagnosed with cancer a little bit. Yeah. That, that, um, <laughs> qualification yeah. matters. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting because you live in a world where you're asking people to face their mortality every day. What's going to happen to you if you can't work anymore? What's going to happen to your kids? And people don't want to have those conversations. They don't want to think about those things. You had an experience that caused you to ask yourself those questions at a much younger age than anybody should have to. Mm -hmm. My dad was killed in a work accident when I was 18. Um, I didn't understand that my mom had to think about those things that she had never thought about before. Right. And, you know, just to I put a little caveat on this, I remember about a week after my dad passed away, we were driving down my mom and I to go shopping out of town to get our mind off of everything that was going on in our hometown. Mm -hmm. And she had a panic attack about 20 miles outside of town because she realized she didn't have a will. And if we died in a car accident, who was going to take care of my brothers that were seven and nine at the time? And I remember thinking like, we're not going to die. 
but my dad just had a week ago. Right. It was that easy for it to be like, but it, it's not going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about how you help people get to that place where they can make plans without having to live in this place of fear that something's going to go wrong every single day. And that is a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question and correlated it to the work that I do. So I think I'm still finding how to actually probably do a better job of using my story to help clients understand that things can happen. What I've really done is I've taken this stance and it's really, it really started forget about a 24. It actually really hit me during COVID because I, one of my cousins, it was early, one of the earliest cases of it. He had other things going on, got COVID. He did pass away. There was a lot of medical things going on and it hit me at the time thinking, wow, I don't know if he had his stuff set up and I always wanted to separate my business with those people that I was friendly with, even some of the family dynamics, because it could get weird. But then at that point, I said to myself, well, I, I, I won't be able to live with myself if I don't approach the conversation. Like they don't have to work with me, but if we have the conversation and I educate them and give them expertise, they can take action. So what I've really done now is, yes, I get compensated on investments and insurance. I take more time in part of our action plan where we have legal documents in there, just like today. I sit in on that legal meeting that I don't get paid on. Today, business owner, young, five kids, different marriages. He's like, no one's ever had this conversation with me. So I've just taken a stance in my practice to not let anyone that I come in contact with not have a conversation about their finances, about their legal documents, about if they get sick, if they pass away. I'm just not afraid of it anymore. And I, it's not even from my story because I, I even forget it was 18 years ago. It's like it's like almost like a different life compared to where I am now. I don't really ever have to say it. I think when I just go through the importance of it, because I hit on it early on in my, in my process and clients go, yeah, I thought about it and I'm going to bash my industry because they're awful. When they don't get paid on certain things, it's we're going to advise you, but only on the stuff that we get paid for. Like we're not going to sit in those meetings. We're not going to make sure that beneficiary designations are coordinated. And that's where I take pride. Like that's to me where I make my money is being in those meetings, guiding those clients, and we're crossing every T and every I. So it's definitely not easy. It's not easy because nobody wants to think of that, but I know that I'm okay with having those uncomfortable conversations and saying, here's where I draw the line. If I'm not your guy or your person, go to somebody else. And I'm okay. And I'm okay with that. I probably wouldn't have been okay at that at you know 30 
when I first got in, but now uh, I call myself seasoned. It, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't come off, you know, that line. It's here's what we do. We're either a fitter or not, or not a fit. So, but it's important because anything can happen and nobody's thinking about these things. Yeah, it's really true. And you highlight something that's so important that you're going to have these really personal conversations with anybody that's involved in your finances. So it's really important that the person that you work with, um, you really know, like, and trust enough to be open yes. and honest with them and that you have this no judgment um, place where you can tell them the things that really matter. Cause I think it, I've never been in your industry, but I can imagine that people will tell you like surface level stuff, but they don't tell you the stuff that really matters. And you find out about it later. And you're like, if I would have known this, we would have put you in a completely different situation. And I'm yes, like, well, I wasn't again, ready yeah. for you to know. Yeah. And again, my process is very much about seeing what you have, but more importantly, understanding why you have it. So if somebody doesn't have a legal document, it's not just as simple as, no, we don't have a will. Okay. Why do you think it's important? What could go wrong mm -hmm. if you don't have one? So understanding those questions and that thought process and really why they don't have one. Could they not agree on who was going to watch their kids? But I ask those same questions in the other parts. It's, hey, we have a retirement account. Why? How does it work? What's your understanding around it? So every part of it. So I'm just diving deeper in using, and I'll go back to sitting there at 12 years old with my mom, right? With my mom, my dad. It's if something happens, here's where you, here's who you guys need to talk to. Here are the next steps. So I'm just, again, I, I've been here for a decade. I think I'm just getting started in learning to just be better, have those tough conversations across the board. And it's not just what I've also started to do is incorporate all the other aspects of life. Like you mentioned before, you just got back to the gym. Well, I'm having conversations with clients now about, great, we're talking about saving money, but if you're 50 pounds overweight and you have a heart attack tomorrow, what good is it if you have $2 million in your retirement account? Like you're not going to use it. Mm -hmm. So, and it's that other person that is working at a job that they hate and doesn't have the confidence to say, okay, I'm going to go into my boss and ask for a raise. It's that same person that's sitting at home going, where do I start? Because they have no confidence. So I'm really just incorporating all aspects of life, the mental toughness, the discipline, the confidence, the, the power that we can build in our body because it all intertwines with your family, with your bank account, every part of it. Yeah, I love that because I say often that so much of my strength in business came from obstacle course racing. I found obstacle course racing at my absolute lowest. And I had never considered myself an athlete. And in fact, the reason I found it was because my life freaking sucked at the time. At least I thought it did. I was knee deep in my cesspool full of self-pity. And I needed something that was different than what I had done every single day. Mm -hmm. And somebody was like, hey, come work out with us. And then I found obstacle course racing. And then I, I got into that and I was like, holy shit, I'm stronger than I think I am. Mm -hmm. 
why am I working for somebody else? Like I could open my business. I could do. So I get the connection and I'm glad you focus on that. Um, I also love what you said about understanding why somebody doesn't have the things that you know as a financial planner they should have. And just to tell you a quick story, um, I didn't have life insurance for the longest time. Okay. And people would come to me <clears throat> and they would say, hey, can I talk to you about buying life insurance? And I'm like, I'm not interested. I don't need it. Yeah. That, and they're like, well. insurance person. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, hitting, nope, I don't hitting, need it. I don't need yeah, it. Hitting you up in your DM saying, hey, buy some exactly. life insurance. Yeah. But I'm a single person with no intention of having kids. Um, like for me, I had always known that life insurance was to protect your um, your people when you passed away. And so I was like, I don't need it. Like I'm going to die. Nobody's going to need to rely. Like my estate, if it has bills and shit, like nobody's going to be responsible for that because I'm not going to have kids. And then someone said, but like, what about when you're alive? Like, what if you, what about when you can't work or what about if you want to use it for tax purposes or what about this or what about that? And I was like, oh, wait a minute, that's all under the same umbrella. So yeah. it was a conversation about my misunderstanding about what that product was. And I was immediately saying, I don't need it. And if I hadn't met that financial advisor that said, wait a minute, why don't you have it? And what about this and this and this and this? As a business owner, would you like this opportunity? And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait a minute, let's talk about that more. So I see how that's incredibly important. Yeah. And unfortunately, I get lumped into right that category of, hey, you sell insurance, you sell investments, you're an advisor, you're a planner. And, you know, it's hard because, again, my industry is awful. There's those people that are just literally cold DMing you. You know, that had an internship at Northwestern saying, hey, you know, come buy some life insurance with me. Um, but yeah, it's it's being able to overcome those things. And that's really where my strength is. Like I don't like I can just power through things and just be OK with having those uncomfortable conversations. And then it's kind of getting that, that client to say, OK, my guard is down. You are different. I got it. Let's let's work. Yeah. So, yeah, but but you're but you're right. There's there's a lot of moving parts in my industry that if you don't do it every day, you have no idea. The business owner that just goes, "Well, yeah, I have a 401k." Well, great. That doesn't that's not the only thing you have to be able to save on taxes. Right? right. There's so many moving parts that you need to get into, um but it's hard as a business owner, right? There's again, you're dealing with employees you're trying to earn an income, have your family at home, whatever that looks like. And it's time consuming. It's again, it's overwhelming to have to worry about the financial part too. So I get it. It's definitely not easy to dive into, but once you start to knock out those important things and build a foundation, it's a lot easier after that. I love it. So before we shift gears just a little bit, I want to get your... And it, this might be hard to narrow it down to one. So if you give me one or two, I'm good. The, the one or two things that you wish people truly understood about your industry, the misconceptions that people have that you wish you could just immediately shift. Great. Okay. So number one, somebody that manages your money isn't necessarily an advisor. They're a money manager. Mm -hmm. So that I hear 
all the time. It's, well, I have someone. Well, great. What do they do? Well, they manage my money. And that's just an account. So that's a big one. It's, I think I have an advisor, but I really don't. They're just managing one specific account. And that's okay if they do that, but you don't really have someone coordinating all the stuff. The other thing I would say is be open to having other conversations, even if you have other professionals that are in your world, meaning you have someone that maybe sold you some life insurance. You have someone that does your taxes. You have someone or you work for a job that offers a retirement account. You don't have a plan. You have stuff. Mm. And that is two totally separate things. So I'm happy you have stuff, but what's the plan? And most of the time it's, I have no idea. Then the next question is, well, are those professionals talking to each other? And the answer is no. Of course not. Of course not. And it's okay. They're not supposed, that's not what they do. So again, understand that just because somebody's managing one account, they're not your advisor and be open to having someone coordinate all of it for you because those individual professionals are not speaking to each other and your plan most likely is not coordinated and there's gaps. I love it. All right. With that being said, I want to shift just a little bit. This is the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast where we talk about eliminating excuses, empowering yourself so that you can have results. And this idea came about because I realized that like, just like my dog has her favorite toy box that just sits open, most people, including myself, I'll actually say all people, have this like box of excuses that they just leave open, that they can go grab the most convenient one when they're getting pushed up against their comfort zone. And it takes some real mental practice and exercise to be able to say, I hear that excuse and I know it's bullshit and it's not going to stop me. You've had a lot of different roles. You've had a lot of different influences Mm -hmm. throughout your career. And somebody who has recovered from the health scare that you had also has all the excuses that most people would say are valid Mm -hmm. to sit back and say, well, um, that was the cards that I was given. So I'm curious to know, what are some of the techniques that you've used to stop allowing those excuses to hinder your progress? So that great question. I think the first thing is we need to understand that our excuses are valid. They are valid, but that doesn't mean that we should not take action because of the excuse. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to use my example. Even right now, I hurt my back a week and a half ago. Like to the point where I couldn't even stand up and still even sitting here hurts. My back hurting is a valid excuse. The fact that I'm in pain is a valid excuse. I could have said, I'm going to cancel all my client meetings. I'm going to reschedule this podcast. And somebody would have said, okay, well, your back hurts. You can't do it. It's valid. No one's. No one's denying that, but just because it's a valid excuse doesn't mean that it's okay for me to 
not accomplish what I woke up to do today. The commitments that I made right to you to, to do those things. So that's where we need to start is understanding, okay, my excuse is valid, but let's not let it take over what I'm here to do. So the biggest shift for me is the mental discipline and routine. That's what it comes down to. When you can start to have a routine that no matter what happens, you are going to continue that routine. That's how you start to build this. So it's easy. It's cold out. The mm-hmm. weather's bad. I'm, I have a little bit of a sniffle. My <laughs> sleep. Like those are all things that are going to happen. But if you don't have a routine, there's no discipline, then of course it's going to be easy. It's going to be, again, we're, we're on, it's January 10th. How many people that had that New Year's resolution have already quit? Because ultimately, yeah, I love that. My gym was empty today. Yeah. Because ultimately empty. what's happened is we just keep lying to ourselves. It's I'm going to, oh, you know what? <sighs> my, my kids didn't sleep. I'm just going to start Monday. And we're lying to ourselves and giving that excuse validation. But when you start to build a routine and start with what time are we waking up? Are we again, like li- just start to stack wins from when you get up. Little things like, I got up at this time. I made my bed. I mm-hmm. read 10 pages. I did, just, Before I get to 9 or 10 o'clock, I've won 15 times. And people are like, where do you get the energy? You have three little kids. You're running four businesses. I just, because I am purpose-driven now. So I just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. My back hurt. I wasn't working out. I still was up at four. My routine didn't change. I still read. I still made my bed. It hurt, right? I'm traveling. It, it doesn't matter. What time are we doing it? So that's where I think we need to start to overcome all of these outside things that are going to get in the way and start to build confidence And it's the only way we're going to build the mental toughness and say, okay, here's my routine. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I have five meals a day. Everything's a choice. I have five meals a day. Am I going to go eat, you know, Burger King or Popeye's or am I going to take an extra minute and have my meals planned? Yeah. It, it, It comes down to that. And if we're, driven and we have a purpose of what we're looking to accomplish, then nothing should get in the way. And, and I'm, I'm at the point now where if people are lying to themselves, like I'm going to call them out on their bullshit. Yeah. They need that. Like I need that honest here and people like, don't like it. If it's like, if you have little kids and you're out of shape, I literally will say, bro, like, are you not going to go be able to run around with your kids? Like I had somebody say, oh, I took my son to a workout. I had him on the track and he was dying. He was, oh man, I put him through a workout. And I'm like, could you do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so true. And on that note, I, I 
talk about this in my book and I talk about it also with a really good friend of mine recently that sometimes the people that we're closest to are the worst people to ask for for support because they love us so much. And one of my least favorite phrases on the planet is, I'm glad that you want to improve like what you're doing, but I just love you the way that you are. Don't tell me that shit because no, I don't, don't love me. No, they don't. Right. The way no, that they I don't. Am. No, they don't. Yeah. They, they, they just lying. don't want to tell you. Right. And yeah. I'm, and I remember talking to somebody one day and I said, listen, there's a lot of people that will love you so much that they don't want to tell you that your actions are not okay. I love you so much that I can't let you continue taking these actions thinking that they're okay. Right. Like, like there's a difference. There, and there is absolutely a difference to being truthful and guiding that person because we know it's not healthy to be overweight. So why are we? It's okay. I still love you. You love that relationship, but you're telling me you don't want that person to, to be able to take their shirt off and have abs, right? And be able, like, like, I mean, again, like, no, I, nobody just wants to hear it. I just don't care at this point. It's that's just the reality of it. That right when you walk into a room, if you look a certain way, you're dressed a certain way, you're confident, you feel good. People are going to interact with you differently. Yeah. And I don't even necessarily think it's about results. My weight is something that I've always struggled with, yep. which is a journey that I've been on. But it's interesting because when I'm going to the gym on the uh, on the regular, my body composition could be exactly the same. And I walk into a room differently Absolutely. because, Confident, you know, it's not about right, how back. you look. Yeah. yeah, it's not about how you look. It's not about, you know, the weight that anything like that. It's about knowing that regardless of what anybody else thinks of you, you know that you're doing everything that you could be doing to be the strongest personal possible. Yeah, And, and yeah, when are, I... Yeah. Yeah. When I get on stage and I start talking to people and I haven't been to the gym for a week, I feel like such a fucking hypocrite. And it comes out in everything that I do. Here I am telling you to go out and plan your day and have a routine and be the best person that you can be in that moment. And I haven't been to the gym in a week. Like they can feel that energetic disconnection. So the confidence thing doesn't necessarily come from the results. It comes from the actions, which is what's so incredibly important. And it's your frequent, right? That's all your frequency, right? Yeah. So, if we're, so one of the other techniques that somebody can use when they start to feel whatever the emotion is, I had a, I had a bad breakup. So I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling lonely, right? It just comes down. It comes back to us or I'm not happy here. I'm not happy with this. We're operating at a low frequency. And when that happens, that's when all those negative thoughts come in. We need to change it. Go for a walk, go for a run, go to the gym. When we're operating at right in flow state, right at that highest frequency, nothing can get in the way. You just said it. When you, if you hit 10, 15 burpees before you went on stage, people would know. Like you yeah. would feel you would feel different, right? So it's it's 1,000%. It just comes down to that confidence, knowing that you're building your power. Everyone's body composition is different. There's some people that can, right, have just big muscles, male, female, whatever that looks like. But if you're doing that work every day, I'm waking up at this time, I'm doing this, I'm being an example 
for my team, my employees, my kids. Like I never want my kids to go when, when daddy says, Hey, go try this. And they go, well, daddy, you never took any risks. Yeah. You never tried this. Like then I'm a hypocrite. Well, daddy, you want me to have my best life. You're a lazy, I'm sorry. You're a lazy sack (laughs) of shit. Right. Like, I mean, just think about that. Like, but that's, that's what happens. Again, yeah. Mike, right? I have a about to be eight-year-old, four and two. The eight-year-old, right, is like we're now we're starting to have those conversations about right, trying new classes, attempting new things. So I can say, okay, B, daddy's about to go run this next marathon. Like, she's like, okay, well, how many miles is that? And she's like, wow. I'm like, yeah, we got we gotta try. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't, and what I've also started to do is educate her on business stuff. Hey, we're getting into this business. Here's why we're doing it. We're taking a risk. It might work. It might not work. So I think we need to create a routine and understand when we're starting to feel those negative emotions, start to be aware of them and change them right right away. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I'll add to that because sometimes the state that we're in is so strong, we can't change it ourselves. So I actually have an SOS list. This was one of the best advice that was ever given to me was to create a list of two or three people. Um, If you have an iPhone, you can actually go into your settings and you can set shortcuts, which have saved my life so much. Um, And my friends know if I'm ever like actually traveling and get stuck, I'm in trouble because my SOS phrase is I'm stuck at the airport. And so I type in SOS and it'll send my friend, I'm stuck at the airport. And what that means to me is that I'm sitting at this place where there is an unlimited opportunity of where I can go. And I am so self-analyzing the options that I'm just staying in the airport and I'm not taking any of the flights. And so I'll message them and I'll be like, I'm stuck in the airport. Like I don't, any place that I end up would be better than the place that I am now. So if you're listening to this and you say, that's great, but sometimes like I just can't get myself out of the house to go for a walk when I feel shitty. I respect that I've been there. Get that person that you trust more than anything else that when you send them that SOS, they can jump on the phone with you because I promise you that talking about it is going to be all you need to get your ass outside or get you know, into your routine or whatever it is. So I love that routine suggestion. Yeah. And, and something else that anyone can do is if, if there's important people in your life, do it for them. Right. So if it's, Hey, I'm feeling really bad, whatever it is, I have a kid, a partner, mom, whoever it is, don't make it about you make it about them. So that's why for my routine, it's not about me. It's for that person that's watching me on social media who is struggling going, wow, George, George doesn't miss. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like whatever's going on. So stop making it about you and make it about them. Maybe there's someone in your world that's dependent on you and just wants to hear from you. Like you said, go, go do that. So yeah, again, I think we need to remove our ego a little bit, right. And make it about the other people in our world that need us in our best state and just get up and go. I love that. 
As we start to wrap up, if people have listened to this conversation and they want to continue it with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? So I would say just check me out on Instagram. It's where all my contact is, all uh, my my contact information, all of my stuff is on there as well. And that's my first initial last name. So at G Sidarius on Instagram, all my websites. So again, I have my financial services practice, my coaching practice is there too. They are two separate. So you'll see that on there, but you can contact me there, DM me there. And again, any anything that I can do to help, don't be shy to, to reach out. Hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. You know, where's a good place to get started? Because I learned that it's important to have a coach. And yes. my accountability every single day is that text that I send with my coach. Here's what I did. Now I coach people, but I still have a coach. So you should. Always, yeah. Uh, that's the first thing should. I ask people. Yeah. Like all, if somebody's coaching and they don't have a coach, that's a problem. I have and I pay the the number one coach on the planet to coach <laughs> me. I've spent the money. So yeah. I know how important it is because again, that be, that accountability is so important knowing, Hey, I'm struggling here, but I hit my work. I almost feel like, like it's, I almost think like he's my dad. Like here you go. Like, I don't want to let you down, but it's important yeah. right, to have that. So don't be, you know, don't be shy to reach out. If you need someone, feel free to comment, reach out to me again. I really appreciate the opportunity to share some of my story with you and your listeners. Thank you so much for being here. It's been fantastic. Thank you.